teaching, but condensing that down into three words, uh, which is loving, learning, and leading. And last week we talked about loving, that God brought us into a relationship with Him that is expressed in the great commandment that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. And the second is like unto it that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we kind of delved into a little bit of what that means. And uh, He calls us in to a relationship of love. And from that relationship of love is where He sends us out from. So He calls us in uh, to love and then sends us out in love. You know, and our identity, who we are, has to be found in Him. And in Him and in our relationship with Him, that's where we find our purpose. Okay, We fall in love first. And if you were here last week, uh, the one line I hoped you remember was, love first and love big. Right? It's, it's the great and first commandment. Uh, it's the first and great commandment. Love first, love big. Uh, and then, from that place of loving first and loving big, we receive the commission, which is to go and to do what we're supposed to do. But it's important that we get these in order, because who we are, our being, must come before our doing. Does that make sense? Being comes before doing. Our identity precedes the process and the product. Okay? Our identity, who we are as a person. There you go, they're all P's. Personhood precedes process and product. Take a note on that. People need another cup of coffee this morning? Yes. Yes, someone's honest. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying there? That our, our identity in Him... Our love relationship must proceed, must come first. Otherwise, you'll attempt to attain your identity through what you do and through what you produce. And and what happens is that if you're unable to produce what you expect or what you think you should, then you think you're unworthy. But your worth is not in a product. You're not a machine built to produce something. You're a person built for relationship. And this is so important. And the reason it's important is because what we're to produce is relationship. Alright? Not just people out doing some task or accomplishing a job or a project. And so much of our lives are identified that way in the world. You know, in just a day-to-day routine, whether it's where you work, uh, you have to go and produce X amount of widgets or what, what do you want to call it, you know? Or if you're in sales, you've got to sell so many houses or so much of this. Or you, you, have, to, you have to get this done by this uh, date or else you don't get paid. Or even if you're uh, a homemaker, you're at home, you know, you've got to get all the work done. There's a lot of work. There's... Uh, <clears throat> laundry and dishes and, you know, cooking and taking care of the kids and going to the grocery store, all the stuff. And if, and if you don't keep on top of it, then things fall apart. And so we, we understand that, but God wants to tell us the ultimate purpose goes far beyond. And what gives meaning to all of that doing is being. 
and being in love. So love comes first, but <clears throat> purpose <laughs> must proceed. Okay? It proceeds out of love, but it must proceed. In other words, love must lead to something. And when you embrace the Lord God in love, when you come into a love relationship with Him, in that, you also embrace His purpose, His destiny, His calling. The reason He exists. You, you, when, you embrace, when you fall in love with someone, like I, I shared the example last week with my wife, you know, we don't want to just tolerate what they like. We want to like what they like. And we want them to like what we like. Well, when you fall in love with God, God has a purpose and a passion. And when you fall in a love relationship with Him, it means being joined with Him in His passion. What is He passionate about? And that ignites your passion. That, that proceeds out of love. Because, and if it doesn't, then I question whether it's really love. It's more of like, uh, you know, uh, infatuation or an idolization. You can say you love some movie star, right? You know, kids do this. Not grown-ups. Oh, I just, I just love him. It's a fantastic, you know. You maybe even fantasize about, wow, knowing the person, meeting the person, and you know. <clears throat> But all you know is the on-screen representation. You set back, you're really just an audience to their performance. And people actually get caught up in a love relationship with people they don't know. Alright? That's why, that's why people scream when they go to a concert. Ah! Yeah. That was one of my favorite... <coughs> uh, Singers, this will date me. It's James Taylor. How many? How many know JT? Come on, he's the man. Well, there's a live recording. <clears throat> I listened. I listened to the live recording, and he's just on the piano. You know, he's low key. And uh, some lady in the audience goes, "I love you," <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, great." Uh, we really ought to get to know one another. <laughs> it, it might change things. <laughs> you know, and he was just goofing around. But in reality, she didn't love him. She didn't even know him. She'd never met him. And spent a day with him, she might end up hating him. All she knew was a facade, a performance. It's not the type of relationship God's called you to come into with him. He wants you to be married, to be the bride, to be joined in single purpose. And so it's that love leads to purpose, which leads to the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And uh, this is not a 
translation I use often, but I like the way it puts it. It's Young's literal translation. And so uh, the idea here is Young's um, try to interpret uh, the original language word for word in the order that they were written. And so you don't have them in the normal uh, English order. And so it reads a little funny, but uh, parts of it's good. It says, and coming near, and having come near, Jesus spake to them, saying, give to me, given to me, was all authority in heaven and on earth. Having gone, then, disciple all nations. That's what I like. Disciple all nations. And there's parentheses. Baptizing them to the name of the Father and of the the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all whatever I did command you. And lo, I am with you all the days to the full end of the age. And so we have this great commission, what the church has been given to do out of the relationship of love that He's called us into. And the word make disciples, go into all uh, the world, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, is actually in the Greek one word, it's not make disciples, it's go disciple. <clears throat> It's important for us to understand this. And the word is a verb. It's something we do. Uh, and some, something that we are. Disciples, verbs are a state of being or an action. Basic English. Remember that? <laughs> Alright? And, and we need to embrace both aspects of, of this verb. It says, disciples uh, that are called to disciple. When Jesus says, go disciple, go disciple, He's calling us to be disciples that disciple. Be disciples that make disciples. To reproduce. We should be the type of disciple that causes or leads others to become disciples. Or students, think of it this way, of Christ, Enrolling others into becoming students of Christ. Alright? Passionate learners uh, of, of everything that Christ taught us. And not, you know, we need to learn, but in the aspect of learning is that we're drawing others into, oh, look what I've found. Look what I've discovered. And sharing it in a way that draws them into wanting to learn what we're learning. And this aspect of the Great Commission <clears throat> differentiates the church's commission, what the church is called to do, our church, but also the church throughout all ages, from merely being a social service you know, or meeting humanitarian needs. As valuable as those are, I, I believe it's important to, to build houses and to distribute medicine. But that's not the primary task of the church. Jesus did not say, go out and build hospitals and distribute medicine. Did He? Huh? That's a good thing. If it leads, if it's unto making disciples. And so those can be very, very powerful tools 
that enable us to fulfill our calling, which is to make disciples. But if they become the end, they can be means to the end. But if you embrace the means to the point that it becomes the end, then we're no longer fulfilling the Great Commission. We're just becoming a social service. It's maybe a really nice social service and we're helping people in suffering and that's okay. And this is something that actually the church has really struggled with. Uh, uh, and it's often motivated out of compassion. But the greatest compassion is not to uh, give someone suffering for a few moments or a few years or even their lifetime, but to ensure their eternal destiny. Isn't it? And if we can do both, all the better. I read a book by a man who started a movement in India. If I thought for a few minutes, I'd think of his name. But uh, he, he grew up in India. He, he, was, he was a poor person in India and he got saved and he started preaching the Gospel. And he says, uh, people all the time say, well, you can't preach the Gospel to a beggar starving in the street. And he says, yes, you can. He says, because I've done it thousands of times. You sit down and kneel next to someone who's dying and you tell them about the hope of eternal life and they'll listen and they'll receive if you just go and do it. Yes, feed them. Yes, clothe them. But by God, tell them about the God that you represent. You know, it's powerful. Changed my life, my whole view of missions when I read that book. All right, so God uh, has called us to become disciples that reproduce. And um, our mission is, is loving, being filled first and motivated by the love relationship, and then learning. And if you look at the, the text, Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Baptize, make disciples. Go, t- disciple, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the progression. right? The progression of the verse is go, disciple, baptize, teach them everything I have commanded you, which is basically to... Go, disciple, baptize, and to teach everything that I've commanded, which leads you back to going. (laughs) You get it? Go, disciple, baptize, teach them to do what I've commanded you to do. So you're teaching them to go, disciple, baptize, and teach. So there's a a never-ending progression, right? A generational transference of what uh, of this is what the commission really is, what what we're called to do, um, uh, and then if we understand that disciple in the original sense literally means to become a pupil, okay. And let me just quote from this dictionary. It says to become a pupil transitively to disciple. Now. <clears throat> I didn't know what the word transitively meant. (laughs) I'm like, transitively. Hmm. I know what to become a pupil means, to become a student. Transitively to disciple. So I I googled it. I'm just happy about computers. And it means um, an action carried from the subject to the object requiring a direct object to complete the meaning. I'm going into teacher mode today. Is that all right? (laughs) 
Well, this rocked me. In other words, what he's saying, what, the, what this word actually means is become a pupil, transitively to disciple. In other words, you don't get the complete meaning just by becoming a student, unless you also disciple. Okay? It's a student that transitions, maybe would be a more contemporary word, into teaching. It's a student who teaches. The full meaning of the word is not just to learn, but to learn and teach. Does that make sense? And if you don't learn and teach, you're not getting the full meaning or the complete meaning of the word disciple. The word disciple is to learn and teach. And isn't that the best kind of teacher? You know, not someone that's just read a book and is spouting off facts, reciting something out of a, uh, a handout or something they learned at, at school decades ago, uh, but someone who's passionate, who's an active participant. And if I, if I can challenge you in any way, <clears throat> and one of the goals actually for this year, and I've talked to the, uh, all the different levels of the leadership in the church, is I'm challenging uh, the church to uh, improve our level of discipleship. And frankly, it starts with being passionate learners. That you really want to learn. And that you want to be an active participant. And it's not, church is not about coming and just doing something. And maybe, maybe you have a musical gift and you can sing a song or you can uh, help in some way. And it's not, not about having a position. Maybe you can, you learn how to prophesy and you just want to be in a prophetic team. And that's great. But you need to be passionate about learning so that you can be positioned to teach others. And increasing, and we're praying and seeking God for ways to increase in New Day Community Church a passion for learning, for being a disciple, that, that, and an active participant both in learning and into teaching. How to gain more information and understanding and experience in the things of God and how to pass it on to the next uh, person that we're called to minister to so that they can gain it, so that they can pass it on. We're to draw others into our lifestyle of learning. Okay? When you, and when we draw people in, when we, when we disciple in this way, in the way that Jesus meant it when He said it, go disciple, it will inevitably lead to baptism. Because if you're passionate about something, you're going to draw people into what you're passionate about. And the first step is baptism. Alright? It's just, it works. It's easy. It's not something that we have to force. The traditional way of thinking of the Great Commission, and, and a lot of people, uh, and you may <clears throat> have thought of it this way, as well as, is to go convert people to become Christians, and then disciple them, and then teach them. End of process. And that's kind of how the church has operated almost by default. They've gone into the saying, well, we go, we preach the gospel, and once they get saved, then we can teach them. Alright? Uh, we baptize them, and then we can teach them. And then they, they, they enroll in church, and they learn for the rest of their lives, their students. And that's it. But that's not the progression that we find in the Great Commission. It's go, 
disciple, baptize, teach. Right? <clears throat> not go convert. In fact, <clears throat> uh, because there's not an end. When we do it the way Jesus taught, uh, the people that we disciple and they get baptized, they, 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 they embrace what we're learning and learn it as well. They get baptized. Then we teach them to do everything. And so teaching them means that they start going. It reproduces rather than coming to an end. <clears throat> Jesus never led anyone in a sinner's prayer. Did He? The whole idea of a sinner's prayer didn't come about until the late 1700s. All of church history prior to that has no record of anyone coming to an altar call as a means of salvation. Sorry. It's an American tradition. I love America. But we don't understand the Bible by our American traditions. Alright? It's a good tradition. Alright? It's just not necessarily the the the... the methodology that it, it, it can be a great methodology are you hearing me all right <clears throat> what did jesus tell people he walked up to someone what would he say walked up to matthew what do you say huh no he said follow me when he went to his disciples follow me follow me when he preached he preached the repentance that was the t subject of his, of his teaching. But when we went up to individuals, they follow me. And the disciples would follow. And then Paul, what did Paul say? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So he's repeating the pattern. Or in some translations, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so the idea <clears throat> is that we're commissioned to be learners to be disciples that disciple, not convincers. See, when you think that the Great Commission is I have to go out and convince people to become Christians, you act, you'll, you'll end up getting frustrated because that's not the Great Commission. Alright? <laughs> you know whose job it is to convince? Amen. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given. It says when He comes, He will convince or convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And that's in John 16.8. And the Good News Bible says, And when the Holy Spirit comes, He will prove to the, world, to the people of the world that they are wrong about sin and about what is right and about God's judgment. Right? So this goes a long way to the understanding of, of, I said a few weeks ago, that we just need to declare it. You know, We don't have to worry about convincing someone because if you're passionate about what you're learning and you share that, that will draw other people in and then you show them what you've learned and it'll come to the place where they're like, I, I think this is amazing. I, what, what do I do next? Oh, you get baptized. Because I read that in Acts 2.42. They said, what do I do next? And Peter said, get baptized. So they'll get baptized. And then what they do? And then you, 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 just, you stay in the apostles' doctrine and you fellowship. And that's the way the church has functioned for thousands of years. And that's God's intention for it to function until He returns, until, until the, this great commission is fulfilled. Alright? And then the word teaching is different. Then the word disciple, it's actually a different Greek word. And this means 
uh, more in the sense of teaching as we normally think of it. It's a didaskal. I'm horrible at pronouncing um, Greek words. <laughs> uh, and it means the whole discourse with others in order to instruct them, to impart instruction, to instill doctrine into a, a one, to explain or to expound a thing. So this implies an ongoing relationship, doesn't it? All right. So once we disciple, we draw them into the discipling process and, and we make them a disciple, they get baptized. There is a deeper level of teaching or an ongoing discourse where you train or instruct um, in the things of the Lord and, you, and, and, they, and, they, and they study up to learn. And, and, and that implies uh, something that you're committed to long term and learning. And so we're to, we're to be the ones that teach because we're learning. Uh, we, we're to instruct them who follow us and are baptized to observe everything that the Lord commanded us. Or the, the, uh, as Jesus said on, on, the, on the mountain. Let me just read an excerpt from an ancient uh, old commentary. It's actually written back in the 1800s. And I just love the wording of this. Sometimes reading something from a different century helps us hear it from a different point of view. And really, what I love is, is that it's the same. You know, it hasn't really changed. But listen to these words uh, from Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary written in 1871. It says this concerning the Great Commission. This glorious commission embraces two primary departments, the missionary and the pastoral, with two sublime and comprehensive encouragements to undertake and go through with them. First, the missionary department, go make disciples of all nations. And the corresponding passage in Mark, in other words, the way Jesus said it, the way it's recorded in Mark is, go make disciples of all nations. I'm sorry, in Mark it says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The only difference is that in this passage, the sphere in its worldwide compass and its universality of objects is more fully and definitely expressed. While the former, the great aim and certain result is delightfully expressed in the command to make disciples of all nations. Then he rephrases it. Go, conquer the world for Me. Carry the glad tidings into all lands and to every ear and deem not this work at an end till all nations shall have embraced the gospel and enrolled themselves my disciples. Wow. That's the Great Commission. That's the Great Commission. And the commentary goes on. It says, Jesus virtually addressed Himself to all who in every age should take up from them the same work. In other words, he wasn't just talking to the eleven. He was talking to you and me. Jesus was speaking this commission. He says, before the eyes of the church's risen head, Jesus, were spread out those eleven men, all His servants of every age, and one and all of them received His commission at that moment. In other words, when the disciples received the commissioning, before Jesus, He spoke it to those eleven on that mountain, but it was to all who followed. All right? And so that same commission is spoken to you. 
what if you were one of those 11? What would be the result? We know the result of what those 11 did. Don't we? It's the church that exists today. Alright? What's going to be the result of you receiving that commission? Because you've received the same commission. They were no better than you. <clears throat> he says, then it goes on and says, Teach them. Teach these baptized members of the church visible to observe all that whatsoever I have commanded you, my apostles, during these three years that you have been with me. And then he goes on and asks, What must have been the feelings which such a commission awakened? The disciples probably said, We who have scarce conquered our own misgivings, we fishermen of Galilee with no letters, in other words, they didn't have any degrees, no means, no influence over the humblest creature, conquer the world for Thee, Lord? Nay, Lord, don't mock us. And the commentator imagines the response, I mock you not, nor send you a warfare on your own charges. Because he gives them two great encouragements. And the first encouragement is that all power in heaven and on earth. And again, I'm still reading. It says, the whole power of heaven, heaven's love and wisdom and strength, and all power in earth, power over all persons, all passions, all principles, and all movements, to bend them to this one high object, the evangelization of the world. All this is given unto me, Jesus said, as the risen Lord of all, to be by me placed at your command. Go ye therefore. And you must receive this not as something said to those eleven guys on a mountain two thousand years ago in order for you to receive it in the way the Bible intends it to be received. You must receive it as His disciple, hearing it from the words of Christ. Because the Bible is not a history book of what happened to people long ago. It's a textbook of how God interacts with His people right now, right here. <clears throat> the second encouragement is in, Lo, I am with you all the days. I like this. Not only perpetually, but without one day's interruption, even to the end of the world. In other words, there's not a single day that Christ isn't going to be with you in this process if you engage, if you follow. And listen, if I said, guys, I'm leaving tomorrow on a mission and anyone who comes with me, you're going to see people healed. You're going to see deaf people hear, blind people see. We're going to, be, we're going to feed thousands we're going to preach the gospel. And I've, I've, got, I've got a sponsor who's got it all paid for. All of our airline tickets. The only thing is that you have to follow me. You come with me and you'll, you will change tens of thousands of lives. Maybe millions of lives. Come on, who's, who's ready to go? Nobody puts up their hand. A couple of people, now they're going, well, he wants me to put up my hand. <laughs> So that's the response. If you follow me, this is what's going to happen. What's the deciding factor? 
is if you follow. Follow Christ. If you imitate Christ. If you do this, you'll see this. And He's, he's, he's given all that's in heaven and all that's in earth as the empowerment. And He's with us. But if Jesus is going this way, and this is His task, and if you're in love with Him, you'll follow after Him. Or, you can adore Him. And I mean really adore Him. And I have to say that there's a large percentage of Christians, especially in our stream of Christianity, charismatic if you call it, uh, you know, that they love to adore. But they adore from back here. Oh, he's a Jesus wonderful. And then there's some rock star Christian. Oh, they're doing great things. And they're in the audience going like this. And Jesus is going, hey guys, I'm coming this way. Anybody with me? <clears throat> See how it proceeds out of love? And rather than sitting in the audience, go, I'm going. Well, where is he going? He's going to the lost. You know, church is about coming and learning and being equipped and encouraged and, and, and building relationship. And I've committed my life to build the church. But the, the church exists for the purpose of reaching the lost. All right. Why? Because that's where that's where my love is. That's where Jesus is. All right. That's where Jesus is. I'm a disciple. That's what disciples do. <laughs> you know. And, and if you're not discipling, then you're not a disciple. I've said this before, but I, I don't. I, I I really want people to get this. If you're not discipling. If you're not learning and teaching, then you're not a disciple. So what are you? Ooh. Somebody say amen. That's good. Preach it. <laughs> okay. It really is good. All right. So, uh, it's good because you get to co-labor with Christ. You get to see the fruit of His work. You know, and there's ups and downs. Sometimes you see it, and sometimes you go years without seeing anybody respond. Or you, lead, you, you teach and teach, and you learn and you learn. You know, <clears throat> when I talk about learning, every, every, every sermon I try to learn something new. I don't come up here and just share something from memory, you know. And a lot of it I've studied, uh, but I, I'm like, I always dig for a new nugget because I like to learn so that I can share. And my hope is that you have that same passion, that we need to be passionate about learners, about learning so that we can be passionate about teaching and giving what we, we have. I actually think the church has done a great job going. All right? It says go. You know why? It's fun to go. It's easy to go now. In the olden days, uh, the great missionary movements... <clears throat> They would pack all of their belongings not into suitcases. You know what they would pack them into? Their casket. Because they knew they weren't going, coming back. And that's how the Gospel was spread. To, that's why many of us are Christian. Because someone went with a casket and preached until they died or were killed. And then their kids took over. Alright? And nations like Germany... <laughs> were one for the Lord, whose people were willing to go and die. 
We've gone. In fact, I, I started. I thought about all of the people that I've met personally. And if I added up a list of all the nations of just the people I have personally met, I bet you it would include almost every nation on the planet. Seriously. Because I, I meet people that go everywhere. Uh, you know, I know people have gone into uh, Saudi Arabia, which is illegal to go into as a Christian. Uh, uh, Iraq, Iran, <clears throat> uh, Afghanistan, everywhere. Soviet Union before it fell. China. I know a guy who goes in every year to North Korea. North Korea. All right. If he gets caught, he's imprisoned. If he's lucky, if he's lucky, he gets killed. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> but if we failed anywhere, it's in teaching. It's in making disciples. Because disciples uh, reproduce that pattern. And if we fail, it's because we're we're not learners. Right? I want to challenge you to become a learner, to become a disciple, become someone who's passionate about learning uh, and understanding and coming into an experiential knowledge of all that Christ taught so that you can impart it to others. Because if we do that, then when we go, we'll make a difference. We'll change the world. Okay? Few people cannot learn. Most people will not learn. Okay? There's a few people that actually can't learn because they have problems. But even those people can learn. Most, and most people are they're too busy. Too busy to read your Bible. Don't ever be fooled by that lie. Too busy to understand the Bible. This is the most information-rich generation that's ever lived. You have the answer to every question, every debate. You can read both sides at a click of a mouse. Wow. It's embracing this that enables you as individuals and as churches to fulfill the Great Commission. People willing to go out and teach. So what I ask you to do today is to commit to be a disciple, not just a believer. Alright? To be a lover and a learner. That's the calling. And if you're ready to do that, would you just stand up? We'll just pray a prayer. <clears throat> if you're not ready, don't stand up. It's okay. I'm not keeping track. If you want to stand up and you're not sure, that's okay too. It's between you and God. The purpose of love is to come into place a relationship of learning so that we can go out and teach and make disciples. So Lord, everyone here, I just pray a prayer blessing. Father, that we would become carriers of the Great Commission. That that love would overwhelm us with a passion and that passion would cause us to follow You wherever You go and to fulfill this Great Commission. Father, and to everyone here whose heart is ready, I impart this passion and that commission that they would receive it not as something dead written in the book, but as something living, spoken by You to be implemented into their life this very day. If you believe it, all together let's just say, Amen. Amen. Alright, you may be seated. Well, God bless you all. <clears throat> Thank you for coming. We have a few announcements before we were dismissed. And I get to do that today as well.
So, uh, if the ushers 